podcast. My name is CJ Schrader, level two judge from Smyrna, Georgia. Did one of you guys just yell or is that outside? No. All right. Well, it's just, of, just the voices in your head. I guess so. One of those guys would be my co-host as always, Jess Dunks. Hi. Hey. We also have our uh, relatively new co-host, although he's been on only two less shows than Jess and I, Brian Prilliman. Howdy there, fellas. All right. And our very special guest host for uh, this very special episode, Ingrid Lynn John. Jan? Hi, guys. Jan? Jan? Jan. Jan. Mm-hmm. I was right the second time. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll just edit it out. He'll get it right on the first time. No, I'm not going to edit it. <laughs> this is uh, Judge Guest number 39, and let's jump right into our news. Dun, dun, dun. All right, first off, we learned what our new judge playmat's going to be, and I think it's what everyone thought it would be, which is a judge balance. Uh, I think you all hated the judge balance, but I like judge balance, so I win and you lose. I, I thought it was the best of the available options. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the From the Vault balance had, I think, a better color scheme for a playmat. Ingrid, what did you, what did you vote for? I actually did not vote. I I looked at them. I do like the, the basic judge balance. It's just I looked in my collection of playmats, and I have so many. It's kind of like, you know, this is not going to be the end of the world if I don't make a decision on this one. <laughs> Ingrid, every vote counts. Yeah, Ingrid. It's, That's true. It's every vote counts. Now, because you didn't vote, you don't get to complain about the playmat. We all we all get to complain though. Yeah. Except well, even even CJ CJ yeah. gets to complain. No, I'm gonna even complain though he, about it, even though I voted for it. That, that, that's your prerogative, but I will yeah. be entertained. Next time we need a we're gonna need an MTV Rock the Playmat vote campaign. Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas pimping the Blood Moon Playmat. Right. Hey, I have an idea. Instead of spending all that money on the campaign, why don't we spend all that money on the playmat design? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but uh, I feel a little silly, but Ingrid, perhaps you should introduce yourself very briefly. Like, who are you and where are you from? <laughs> Maybe I should have done that earlier. Maybe. Let's just jump into completely ignoring the fact yeah. that we have I know. I was like, oh, we have her here, and that's it. Let's keep going. Go, go. We're professional. Yeah, yeah. Well, really what, are. What, are, what are the things about women and judging? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a level three judge from the Madison, Wisconsin area. I have been judging since 2001. And... A lot of people do know me in the program. I've been involved in a lot of different things over the years and do a fair amount of traveling with my judging and have judge friends all over the world. Interesting. Thank you, Ingrid. And we're going to talk with Ingrid today about women in judging, but that'll be a little later after we get past the very important news. But silly not to have her introduce herself. My bad. The next bit of the news, we don't have much news to talk about this time, but uh, is that we heard on the mailing list that we're going to have a new mysterious form of judge communication coming. And they say by the end of the summer. So they mean, you know, something to I think to replace the mailing list, which uh, is probably a good idea. It was implied that it would be for uh, official answers. So I, I'm assuming that the, the judge mailing list is probably going to remain in its current form, just not be a source of official answers, which will make it so much better. <laughs> Sarcasm. Or or even discussions, I think, having, like, if they if it's some sort of forum. I mean, like, there, there's rumors and rumors and ru- rumors of rumors and stuff like that going around, but just the, the whole discussion thing that judges can opt in to. Mm-hmm. 
would be great and then have the judge list for announcements of, you know, like, uh, you know, hey, playmat voting here, that kind of thing. You know, the broadcast messages that everybody care about cares about as opposed to the trillion and one calls for an official answer to do these sleeves look my make my deck look fat, you know, or whatever. I need an O answer on this. I need an O answer on on uh, if my foils are too warped. I took pictures of them. They seem pretty warped. Where'd that even come from, that O? That brackets O note, uh, notation. Like, I never saw that before the judge list. Is that something that started from the judge list, or is it from ancient forums? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, that was stupid. Well, hold on. Ingrid, you've been, since you said you've been a judge since 2001. Uh, I, can tell you, I can tell you that that has been used on the judge list since back that far to mark an official post. I'm not that savvy with forums and email lists overall. Actually, I, I was on a couple other mailing lists prior to that, and I'm thinking that's, that may be related to um, old mailing lists as a, an abbreviation for official something to flag opposed as being an official one. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So so basically we'll just blame DARPAnet and be done with it. Yeah. Whatever you just said. Sure. Fine. I'm not even, even going to explain that joke. No, please don't. Hey, on the last show I asked this question and you guys blew it, but hey, did anything really exciting happen this past weekend? You know, other than the Pro Tour? Like, yes, the no, the Pro Tour is what I was trying to get the into. <laughs> I mowed my lawn. Is that count? You mow your lawn every other week then, because that's what you said last time. Well, I mow it every week. Every week? So, yeah. It's Florida, man. I mow my lawn. Like, He's very serious about his mow- it, mowing. The it, I got to mow it every, every other week in the wintertime. What are you talking about? All right, well. <laughs> oh, wait, the Pro Tour. Pro Tour. So there's been some of my... This is my my patented word on this show lately is hubbub about a ruling that I guess the Ricardo Tessitore made the ruling and then Sheldon Minery uh, commented on it later. But uh, essentially, the situation that truly happened was um, was uh, I don't know his first name, but his last name is Hain. He presented a 65 card deck and on video you see him. He presents the deck and then immediately checks his sideboard and like you can tell Finkel has started to to pile count his deck and he's only laid down two cards by the time that Hain immediately calls a judge on himself to say hey you know i realize i just presented a 65 card deck with a 60 card or a 10 card sideboard the and, si- and the the individual you're talking about is Alexander Hain Alexander Hain he ended up winning the pro tour as a matter of fact oh interesting <laughs> well cool then later on Sheldon was on camera and he was talking Sheldon's a Level emeritus, 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 emeritus uh, judge. Level E. In case you guys don't know that, but he was on camera and basically, um, well, I don't know how to describe this because there's like some controversy over it, but but it was clearly that it's clearly because Sheldon was told the wrong information. So, so our understanding of the situation is that Sheldon was told <clears throat> that John Finkel noticed that there were 65 cards in the deck and called right. a judge. Yeah, and. And then the judges decided to downgrade it to a warning when that is not what happened. What occurred is that he called the judge on himself and said, I presented 65 cards, uh, and then it was downgraded to a warning. Yeah, which seems pretty, pretty standard. Now, the issue, the issue was that because he had been told that John Fingle noticed it and then a judge was called, then he started having to like tiptoe and make stuff up and be like, oh, this is why they did it because it's a pro tour event and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and he was trying to make it sound right because he's on the coverage. You can't make, you know, the judges look stupid. Right. Uh, and he was just working with what he had. 
and and so the the reason why they were able to do this is normally when you present a, a 65 or a, a, an illegal deck or a deck that doesn't match your deck list, okay, that is a deck deck list problem, okay, that cover at, at competitive and professional that carries with it a, a, a game loss. However, in the IPG, in the general philosophy section, it actually says if a player commits offense, recognizes it, and then calls over a judge immediately before he or she could gain an advantage, okay, or even potentially gain a, a, an advantage, uh, the head judge has the ability to downgrade it to a warning, okay, without it being considered a, a, a deviation. So this 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 is an option that was available to the head judge that, you know, and the keys are the player called it on himself before he could possibly have gained an advantage from it. OK, and we, we do that kind of thing because we, you know, judges should be seen as a good thing. We don't want players to be scared to call us when there's a problem. Yeah. OK, so this 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 clause is in here to uh, I would say help encourage the players to be honest when they find a problem, and as opposed to just going you know it's like oh well if I call a judge then X is going to happen so maybe it would be better off if I just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And but yeah, pre- and pretend like I didn't notice it. Yeah. So yeah, there was some anger over what Sheldon said, but realistically he said it because and I think just nailed it. I I mean. I haven't spoken to Sheldon directly about this, so I don't want to be putting words in his mouth. But I feel like he saw a ruling that the head judge made. He didn't want to sit there and be like, oh, the head judge was wrong, you know, based on the information he was told. So he just made the best out of the situation he had. Yep. And he even said that uh, – So was would, he said in the email next week's uh, – he's got an article on Star City Games. Mm-hmm. And so he said that next week he's going to have an article explaining these points a little bit better. So – Yep. You heard it here, guys. If you're listening to JudgeCast before next week, haha, I'm not going to give you dates. You're going to have to figure it out yourselves. Go check out Sheldon's article on Wednesday. Again, no dates. Just, just Wednesday. Just Wednesday. And if and if you're reading and it's Wednesday and it doesn't say anything about it, just wait another Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, coming. It's coming. They'll be next week. Or Wednesday. you need to check the archives and you missed it. No. No, it's always it's always next Wednesday. It's always coming. It's always coming. Even if you're listening to this in like 2012, 2013, 14, whatever, <laughs> you know, you're crawling through the archives. It'll be out next week. You'll be fine. <laughs> I feel like we're wasting everyone's time. <laughs> just, just like we waste the listeners' time. That is that is that is what that is what I bring to this show. <laughs> you're gonna so regret adding me. Uh. <laughs> Were there any other items of news we wanted to discuss or uh, anything that has come up in the last couple of weeks? No, not much. Nothing I really wanted to discuss. Uh, it's It's been a much slower week than it has in the past, probably because we haven't had new IPGs or new rules documents or FAQs or pre-releases or any of that stuff happening. So it's become a little bit slower. So I'm going to bring up a topic that segues. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna call out. I'm gonna call attention. So recently, there there's been. I'll use the word hubbub. Also, nice about particular uh, art on cards, and then there was an article on Star City uh, uh, written by a female player addressing uh, magic from a, a female uh, female perspective. So we thought that it might actually be a good time to to discuss women in judging, and since us three guys are probably woefully inadequate to discuss that uh we asked grid 
to come on and and help field some of the the questions that we might have and and you know have a discussion uh, about that topic. Absolutely. Yes. So so I guess the 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 first the first question, Ingrid, I've I've noticed uh, just at events that I'm going to, I've noticed more female judges than there was two years ago because it seems like from my perspective, two years ago it was like you and uh, Callie Anderson were kind of it, <laughs> at least from my perspective. And now there's a uh, there's several more. Is that do you see that across the, that trend across the United States, across the world, that kind of thing? I definitely have seen that trend. When I first started judging, it was not that uncommon for me to be like one of two female judges in attendance. Now, it's not that unusual for me to go to an event, a large event, and have there be, you know, four or five female judges, and as as well as and just knowing a lot more. And this this is seems to be a trend across the world as well as the United States. More women are getting into judging. Percentage of women judges is probably higher at, at the competitive level than the percentage of women players in the game. You know, I I definitely used to think that. I'm wondering if it's still true today, though. I feel like there's a lot more women players today also than there used they to be. Certainly, I, I think that is certainly true. Um, it's, you know, looking at a several hundred person event now, you may see half a dozen, dozen, a little more than that, women and Several years ago, there would maybe only be one or two women there. Mm-hmm. So that's um, just percentage-wise. You know, if you have four women on a staff of 30 people, it's a pretty you know, relatively high percentage, even though it's still pretty small. So it's it's it seems to be a, a, an increasing trend. Uh, it's still moving slowly, but that is where the trend seems to be going. Yeah. Is is there? Uh, so I asked I asked Andy. Uh, heck, I sent him an email that I asked him uh, how many how many female judges are are in the program, and he he sent a reply back saying uh, uh, we don't count the number of female judges or we don't we don't count gender, and then he mm-hmm. recommended that I just kind of scroll through and look at pictures in Judge Center and names and try and figure it out. Did you? Well. First off, I realized that a lot of foreign names, I got absolutely, if they don't have no picture, I got no clue. The second thing I realized is, as as a whole, we we need to maybe exercise more. <laughs> you know, just judges in general are, um, yeah, instead of, instead of, uh, instead of next year's, instead of playmats, next year you give them us pedometers or something like that, or, you know, so we can... We'll make that. We'll make that part of the uh, the the new level requirements. You have to get so many steps before you <laughs> can so uh, where you can where you can test for a body. A, a, you need to have a BMI of. Uh... <laughs> well, you know, be careful what you ask for because you just you don't want them to set up events where you know the recommended judge hotel is like a two mile walk from the venue or something like that. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm uphill in both directions, of course. I just got an idea of like the judge. Okay with that? I don't. I don't care. I'll walk. Yeah, I don't care. I'll drive. Whatever. <laughs> uniform being one of those slick power walking uniforms with like the aerodynamic helmet. Oh man! And there's a judge calling you just power walk over to the table. Now, aerodynamic judge helmet is one of the more interesting version of judge hats that I've heard recommended. <laughs> oh yeah, the hats the red. Ooh. 
could you wear a judge helmet at a pre-release or <laughs> that'd be a problem only if the to allows it oh okay Okay. Wow, we got oh, off topic. The magic, the magic judge loads. Judge hats. Um, Ingrid. <laughs> um, let me let me ask. So there are there are actually several uh, uh, high level high level female female judges. There's there's uh, yourself. There's Christiana. There's uh, uh, Johanna. Uh-huh. Uh, Kim. You know, a lot of a lot of level threes. However. Well, is uh, is uh, Christiana? Is she a level four? She's a level four. Yeah. Okay. She's is she the only one? She's the only one currently. I previously was a level four and am no longer. Okay. Probably at a at a high level standpoint, you know, there's how many? Uh, there's there's a few L fives, uh, like seventeen ish L fours around there. It might be lower. It might be a little lower than that, but yeah, it's around that number. Okay. So uh, there's actually a pretty good, um, I'll say, uh, a higher ratio of the high level judges being being females uh, compared to maybe high level, uh, uh, you know, professional players. Is there what do you, what do you see as the big hurdles for uh, a female to become a judge and then maybe even a high level judge? Okay, now this. Probably the biggest hurdles really depend area by area, and some of it is just the getting getting comfortable talking to someone about becoming a judge and making that first step. I don't know how actively when when you're looking for level one candidates, you know, who are the people who stand out, and if female players don't stand out right away or you don't approach them, they may get kind of missed. I think we tend to be more direct in seeking out someone to find out more about becoming a judge and asking them and taking the initiative on ourselves more than being sought out by level two and level three judges in an area. That being said, um, hurdles for becoming a judge, you know, we have to go through the same things to become a level one judge as anyone does. Probably our biggest hurdles there is, oh, let me tell you, one of the things that's kind of a weird mix it's sometimes you get situations where, you know, female judges, it's, I don't know if it's because it's a relative novelty in an area or it's refreshing to talk to someone that sometimes they get a lot of attention lavished on them about asking rules questions and getting a lot of positive feedback. If they get anything really vaguely right. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, one of the other things that can happen is we stand out a lot more and we can have some high expectations placed on us. Does that you kind of does that does that kind of make sense? There's two kind of weird dynamics that go on there. Okay, so it's so it's either it's like, yeah, you got the you got this question right. It's almost like patronizing in the sense of yeah, you got sometimes, this Yes, you sometimes know. can be. And then other times it's the opposite of come on, why can't you figure this out? Are you stupid yeah. or something? Okay. Yeah. But most I would say though now, for level one judge, really not so much. It's and I think the other thing in some areas. I'm sorry, I'm a little scattered about this. I I've been looking over these questions and I've got a lot of thoughts going on. And some of it depends on how how well someone already gets along with the the judges in the area where they're trying to become a judge. You know, it's a, it's a lot easier if there isn't any history or conflict between. You know, the person who needs to test you for, for judge. But that's that's the same as it is for pretty much everyone. So, so, so becoming a level, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, um, 
has there has there ever been an issue for you or any female judges you know that where they've had trouble as a head judge of an event where people kind of either tournament organizers all the way down to players didn't maybe uh, expect them to be able to take on that role i've i've I ask this because I've, I've seen similar things come up where, uh, where some female judges had issues just getting, meeting some requirements, trying to fill out like an L3 checklist, for example, because people wouldn't give them events to head judge. Is that something okay. that you've seen as well? It is something that I have heard about. It is not something that I've seen. In my region, things have generally been pretty good. I was able to get opportunities to head judge events when I needed to. And when I'm available to do that, also, I'm in an area where I think right from the start, I built up a pretty good rapport with players around here, and they were accepting of me. Now, the first couple times I had judged or even judged far outside my area and went somewhere where players did not know me, it was a little different. You know, around here, people see me, I'm a judge, they accept that I'm a judge. The first time I judged outside of my area was at GP New Orleans years and years and years ago. And I got things on the floor like players saying, you're calling me little lady. And I had people saying, well, you know, if you don't know the answer, we can call over a real judge and things like that. But not it wasn't it was a very, very small minority, but it was something that I had not experienced at all in my home area. So, wow, that's. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so would you say, I mean, because it does seem like that's a minority, you, and you would agree that that's probably a minority of people who, players who, who would treat a female judge, and most likely a female player also, uh, like that, or are there a lot in, more out there my, than I think about? In my experience, it is a minority. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it may, it, you know, if you're talking at the shop level, depending, you have a much smaller community, and so something like that is going to stand out a lot more than at like a GP level or something like that. In my experience, it is a pretty small percentage. It can get wearing at times, but thankfully it, it's, it doesn't seem to me to be that, that degree of it. I mean, the, I think the things, the interactions that we run into all the time are a little more subtle and I don't, and I think it's unconscious. I, I think people kind of sense this magic is a really male dominated event. People just, kind of relax, which is a good thing to do in a game, but tend to think in terms of we're around a bunch of guys, we're just going to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's more of what I see. Makes sense to me. I got to think that even if there's a low percentage of guys that will say something, you know, that will say something like that, it really only takes one, you know, out of, you know, the, the, the 1200, you know, 1500 there to, to just say something to really kind of, I don't want to. I don't want to say ruin, ruin the event, but just kind of you know make a comment that's just like you know why'd you have to say that that kind yeah, of it, thing. It takes the wind out of your sails, um, and it's it's worse if you're have if you're having a bad day. You know if you have a really tough or stressful ruling, and then something like that happens. But you know it, it's most of the time, most of the time, you know we can kind of roll our eyes and. Let it roll off and, and go on to the next call. That's what, that's what we try and do. Judging is, is professional. You know, even even when you're dealing as, as with a bunch of guys, as guys, every now and then you're gonna hit across, you're gonna run across somebody who just kind of rubs you the wrong way, and you kind of smile and, and go on from there. And 
and move on and leave them alone. So when somebody does say something that is inappropriate to you or another female judge you're working with, is that something that you would encourage female judges to maybe take to the head judge if something's going on or, or, or what should they do about it? If somebody says something that makes them feel uncomfortable, what should they do about them being female judge? What can they do at an event? Okay. One, one thing that you can do is take it to the head judge. The one, one thing about that though is a caveat. I don't like to get us kind of backed into the corner of making everything into some kind of unsporting conduct. People as human beings blurt things out without thinking. That happens. And, you know, my rule of thumb is if somebody just says something, one of the things that actually can be very effective is somebody says something like that and I just look at them like, you know, really did. And a lot of, a lot of them actually kind of realize that, that something popped out of their mouth without thinking about it first. And then, and they realize that and then we're good and then we move on. I mean, that ideally, I'd like to be able to keep it at that level that we can just recognize, okay, some, something happened. We know now we're going to move on and, and all is good. If there gets to be something that is, you know, a, a lot of pressure, um, if somebody is like flirting with a female judge who says, you know, is trying to be polite and is trying to get a tournament, you know, running or do her job and it gets to be annoying, that's the point at which if somebody doesn't stop, you definitely do need to talk with the head judge, talk with another judge, you know, judge manager on staff if it's like side events at a, at a big area or a big, a big event, something with a lot of events going on so that you can have somebody backing you up because one of the, one of the worst things that, well, one of the things that makes it difficult is you don't want to be kind of the center of attention and either way, you don't want to be the one who seems like they're blowing stuff out of proportion either. So that's, it's nice sometimes to have a backup so you don't remain the whole center of attention, you know, that, that you're the one who's taken all the fun out of this. I didn't mean anything by it. So sometimes so- it's good to get... So is that kind of a, a, a double-edged sword then, right? Because you're you're getting you're getting you're getting attention because you're a female judge. It's unwanted, and you take the necessary steps to stop it. And then suddenly it's, who does she think she is? And that kind of I mean, is that? Yeah, yeah. Who does she think she is? Or or can't you just take a joke? And that that can be tough because yeah, we do have senses of humor. Yes, we can take a joke. But you know, one of the things, and and here's this is this is where, where like I was talking about flirting, where that can kind of what happens with that. It's not that somebody, you know, one particular guy, is really boorish and really annoying with the flirting. Even even if he's the nicest guy in the world, you know, you, you, if you're playing player or judge, you know, you, you do something around one, and someone comes up to you and you have this you know flirtatious conversation, or he tries to have a flirtatious conversation of some sort, and you're like just trying to be polite and say no, sorry, not interested. But then what happens is the next round it's someone else who may come up, and a couple hours later it's someone else. And even if they're all the most polite guys in the world, when this keeps happening, when you're trying to focus on you know, either as a player you're trying to play in this event, or as a judge you're trying to keep organized with what you're doing as a judge, it takes a lot of energy to then also be polite and deal with this constant repeated distraction. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yes. Makes a lot of yeah. sense. 
I had, I had to deal with uh, ladies flirting with me all the time, also. So I can totally understand. <laughs> yeah, the um, <laughs> a, a, a funny story. Um, so one of the the judges here in in Florida, Deborah Freeland, uh, a year year and a half ago, it was her first GP at Atlanta, and she was telling the story how when she returned, she deck checked some guys, and when she brought their decks back, one of the one of the players said, "Thanks, sweetheart." And she just turned and looked at him and was like, "What did you call me?" And and he immediately was like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh I mean, thanks, thank you, ma'am, judge, sir, uh, thank you." And it was just, it was just the way she said it, just kind of put him on, and he was just like, "Uh, uh, ma'am, thank you, ma'am," made me laugh. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not regularly called sweetheart when I return a deck, so. Well, I'd like some equal treatment. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, at, at, at events, we're judges, and we do want to be treated as judges. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. On the flip side of that, I have sometimes done the similar thing. Like I've been passing out results slips, and periodically I'll get a thank you, sir, and then a double take <laughs> when somebody turns around and looks at me. That's probably fine. That's better than thanks, sweetheart. It is better than thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> Hey Ingrid, how do you feel about like we we there's recently been this uh, controversy over that card uh, Triumph of Ferocity, which shows Garrick kind of pinning uh, Liliana down. People seem to ignore that she's about to shoot a fireball back, but uh, and then there was that Indianapolis playmat. How do you feel about these uh, kinds of the word might be explicit art uh, on these kinds of cards or cards that show women in? So this is so this is kind of a hard a hard question because it it it, it presupposes that. That you speak for all women, yeah. But no, I mean, just, just in your in your personal opinion, are these detrimental? Are they, you know, are they? Come on, guys, uh, you can do you can do something more appropriate than that. Or, I mean, just what are, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, I over the over the many years that Magic has been printed, you know, they they've featured a lot of females in their art, and you know, a lot of sexy females, and I think they make a really strong effort for the most part. I mean, consider the thousands of pieces of artwork we're talking about to have things that, you know, meet their internal kind of check about it shouldn't be too much of this, too much of that, you know, not not too many skeletons and not too much exposed flesh or, or whatever the requirements are. That being said, when you're talking beyond magic cards, you can have things, you know, like, like the playmat that we all know about. In my opinion, there's a difference between, like, sexy art and sexualized art. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the, the line kind of can be drawn for me. You know, what you're using, when you're playing with your friends, if you're around the kitchen table, you know, you can use whatever the heck you want as long as everyone else is fine with it. It's when you start going out, you're playing in the stores, you're playing in a PTQ, you're playing at a GP, you're playing at an SCG Open or something like that. That's open to the public. And there may be younger players there. There may be parents of players who show up or, or anyone from the general public. And it is certainly possible to have women in artwork who, who are sexy without being sexualized. And that, that's kind of where I, I draw the line. I, I, there's no reason to say that they, they all need to be covered up from, you know, neck to ankle in, in, in something or in, you know, can only show, you know, 10% skin or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am pretty flexible with that. I believe a lot in the freedom of expression, but there's also when you're 
really in a in a public kind of event in a public environment there there is just there's a kind of level of community i don't know exactly the right word uh, i and i i hate to go down the decency road because that can also have some kind of negative connotations about it but just just a kind of a, a line of reasonableness and politeness and if you aren't exactly sure where the line falls you're a little bit on the cautious side yeah well your opinions are basically the exact same opinion of basically every judge it's just you know there's going to be a lot of yeah. people there. You know, you're, we're not even like talking, hey, this might offend a woman in particular. You know, it just might offend anyone. It might, particularly like mothers with small children there, it, it just doesn't matter. Or fathers, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't think it has much to do about being female in the end. Yeah. I, I think it's just that, you know, when it comes to artists, I think drawing the female form is something that, you know, it's, it's something that it's, it, it's an attractive thing. I mean, we've been so all been socialized since we're really young to find the female form attractive. Mm-hmm. And there's, you can certainly have attractive women without having them in submissive postures. There's a, there's a lot of latitude there. Yeah. And Wizard specifically has a policy, like you said, to not have them in submissive postures or uh, they say, you know, they can't be damsels in distress or nothing like that. I think they do a pretty good job of following that. They do. And they did also issue a, a, an apology over the triumph ferocity specifically uh, that you mentioned. And, you know, sometimes when you print that many cards, you're going to print something that people aren't happy about eventually. Yeah. I don't oh, exactly. Know. And, and just think of the number of cards that they've printed and how many has there been a hubbub about. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could take any selection of, of many other games uh, and find something just as, if not more offensive, from a lot of other games. I'm, I'm very impressed with how Magic has has kind of tried to stay away from that uh, it, most of the time. Yeah. So, so since we're since we're talking about female clothing, let's 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 ask about judge shirts. I, I knew you were going to segue, and I was sitting here waiting, like, how's he going to do it? What? How's he going? Stupid jump is he going to make? Well, I, at first, when you said damsel in distress, I immediately thought, okay, well, I'll just say, since we're talking about damsels in distress, let's talk about... Yeah, but I couldn't... Uh, uh, it was, it was I kept horrible. talking. I'm sorry. It was a bad, bad pun. <laughs> so, so anyway, do you, when, do you guys have to wear men's judge shirts, or do you have your own, or... The basic judge shirts that are broadly and easily available are men's shirts. Um, there have been some female judge shirts produced. I think some of the difficulty there is when you're talking women across many different countries, different countries and different clothing companies have got different ways of sizing and cutting shirts. You may or may not have noticed, but men and women are shaped a little differently. What? And, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you may not, but... Um, and that, that's one of the, the kind of the kind of difficulties because a man's shirt is shaped to fit a male body. And generally our shoulders aren't so broad. We've got curves and spots. And, you know, would, do, you, do you guys like going out on the judge floor if you're wearing a shirt that's like a couple sizes either too small or too big for you? No. I live for that. That's awesome. <laughs> Not particularly, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and. Basically, no matter what size judge shirt that we're wearing, it's either too big or too small or, depending on the area of the shirt, a combination of both of those. It's it's not necessarily comfortable to be in. Um, but the difficulty with mass-produced shirts, especially something that's more shaped like a dress shirt, that will look you know pretty sharp on, on most men because that's what it's designed for, and it doesn't work that 
well over a female. Now, the polos were a, a little different story. I think they kind of made everyone look equally not so attractive. <laughs> the, old, the old black there, and white ones? But how, how do you not look attractive when there's, you look like a zebra? There's your equal, equal opportunity in the to make everybody look bad. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm... I have relatively broad shoulders for a woman, so the men's shirt fit me probably a little better than I do many people, but it's not great. And, you know, the other options that we have, if there aren't female judge shirts, it means we have to, like, take them to a tailor and, and get them all adjusted, and it's it's really annoying. But it's, you know, it's also, when you when you look at the, at the judge floor, you know, there's the guys wearing shirts that fit them, and, you know, there's the women in shirts that are often a little uncomfortable because they're too big or they're too small. And it just, it kind of gives us an automatic, we look a little not quite so sharp as everyone else because the shirts don't fit. So, so you said, but there are, when you said there, there's custom judge shirts, are the, were those shirts made by the judge program or did individuals have them, them they, made? They were made by the judge program. We did a survey of women who are interested in judge shirts and tried to coordinate what sizes everybody was because I I tried doing this at least for the you know the level two and higher judges who might be working events and then ordering from wizards ordered from a company to get a bunch of shirts that would fit and un- unfortunately just with the women women's clothing manufacturers what they do for sizes and how they cut things really vary a lot from one company to another so I think many of those shirts worked out fairly well and some judges were also disappointed in them because this fit was not particularly good for them. Okay. I, I saw, I think I saw when I went over to, to uh, Madrid, uh, I saw a few, a few judges wearing, you know, uh, a few of the female judges wearing like custom, uh, custom judge shirts that were, were more, uh, that just fit better. And I, I was curious if that was something that was made by the judge program or if it was something that they had made on their own. Probably the ones for the judge program. Cool. So let me let me jump back, I guess, into since since the judge shirts is kind of more of a lighter topic. Let me let me jump back into the one of the the heavier ones, uh, where you where you said uh, you know you've actually had a a player in the past ask for a a you know to talk to a real judge. How how does if you have have you been or do you, do you hear a lot about female judges being dismissed or, or male players dismissing female judges is sort of like you don't you don't know what you're talking about that kind of thing is that is that a i don't want to say a common problem but is that like what would you say what would you does that happen a lot and what would you say to a a female judge who has that uh, occurring at their particular event okay it is i would say a a present problem an existing problem i don't think that it is a very common problem. Most most of us, especially who are judges, we I, it's probably rougher on people who are trainee judges and kind of like doing their first events. But I think for the most part, we've got a kind of spiel down where we explain, I am I am the judge who's working this event, or I am the head judge. The ruling goes through me, my ruling stands, or whatever the case may be. It's it's probably more more difficult at the start. You know, a lot of judges, as they're working towards level one and coming up through level one, have got confidence issues. But it's 
being dismissed, even if it occurs only very rarely, it can be really a, a huge smack in the confidence when you're a starting out judge. Presence, certainly, and pretty much worldwide, but I don't think it's hugely common. And again, that's we female judges do talk with each other about that. You know, we can get in touch with one another and give some support when things like that happen. That helps too, just to know that you're not alone. That's that's one of the things I think a lot of newer female judges, if they're in an area that doesn't have a lot of female judges, they don't know whether this happens to everyone or whether it's just them. And that also is, it can be really rough on your confidence because you're thinking, what am I doing wrong? And having an opportunity to talk with other female judges and realize, oh, a lot of people have gone through this at least a little bit makes that a lot easier. And you get to share with other people the strategies the, the giving somebody the look like, what did you just say? It has to be a very effective strategy without causing a lot of rumpus. So we fall back on that one a lot. That sounds like, that sounds like you've gotten, uh, you've gotten used to handling that kind of thing or actually any kind of awkward situation, you know, fairly well. So I, I the only question I have there is, is rumpus a technical term? <laughs> rumpus. <Is it> rumpus? <laughs> uh. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I don't. Um, know. I, I guess Ingrid said rumpus. I totally missed it. If she did, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. She did. All right. I I, I probably did. I'm I'm talking very extemporaneously here. And oh, that's okay. that's okay. Extemporaneously. Those big words. We're gonna have a problem with. Since we're rumpus. Since, <laughs> since we're, I guess we're kind of. I guess winding down. What would you What would you say? Is there any is in in your opinion? Is there anything that either the judge program can do as a whole, or we can do at an individual level to encourage uh, uh, females to join the, the the judge program? Well, I would say first of all, you know, be be natural around them. Um, maybe not too natural. You know, don't want to start too much. Um, and and think a little bit about what you're saying because. Sometimes we, one of the things that can make us uncomfortable is when the conversations kind of turn around, especially in the very joking, sexual kind of conversations or segueing off into comments about sexual orientation or topics like that, that at something like a professional kind of event, even at a PTQ when you're putting forth a professional appearance and presence, some of those conversations really maybe not the most appropriate and think twice about going off into that area. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to dampen down anybody's spirits or things like that. But what I like to see at events and, and for being treated as a judge is just being accepted as a fellow judge, being talked to like I'm a fellow judge about judgely type things and even, you know, regular conversation as well, because you know, we've got a lot of things in common. If, if we're there, if, if a female judge is there as a judge, we judge. We're involved in this game magic. That's what, that gives you a lot of stuff right there that you've got in common with each other. And it's just a basic kind of level of, of civility. And, you know, we don't want to be singled out either positively or negatively. You know, don't treat us like we're the most wonderful thing in the universe and don't kind of ignore us and pretend we're not there. Just treat us like judges. The uh, I, I asked the same question to Johanna on uh, on on IRC. You know what uh, what can, what can we do to to make things better? And she just she just answered, 
don't be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, is is that all you get? You know, is that, she's like, yup, don't be creepy. <laughs> yeah. No we, we don't want to change. We don't want to change the universe or anything. You know, we just don't be creepy. That's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, Ingrid, this this is less about women and judging and more as you as a woman who is also a judge. But uh, I never generally get to talk to judges who've been judging since you said 2001, right? Yeah. How did you uh, how did you first even get into magic and then from there into judging? Like that was so oh, long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my husband and I, my my husband Pete is also a judge here in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Uh, we got into playing at the same time. It was around revised and we were first introduced to magic as uh, just this kind of general almost party game you know, shuffle up all the cards in the house randomly and deal them out so like imagine like the most random game of magic multiplayer magic you could ever imagine sure um and we thought oh this is a really cool game these are really neat cards and we each bought a bunch of cards and built our own decks and kind of slogged it out with with random cards it was fun for a while we put them away and then a few years after that, I was in a bookstore that was, like, selling portal cards. And they looked kind of like magic cards. But one of them had in it this strategy card, the Build the Fiery Doom deck, and talked about this concept of keeping it to just, like, a couple colors. So I, I went home, and I changed my random deck of magic cards to be, like, really streamlined, just a couple colors, and said, hey, Pete, why don't we play this game again? And beat the crap out of them several games in a row. And he was like, what happened? And that, that got us into playing. We started playing competitively and um, started playing casually with some friends of ours. And this was this was so long ago. This is before the comp rules. And, yeah, that's probably kind of hard to imagine. This is where if you wanted to know how things worked, you couldn't believe what the cards said. But there was this whole bunch of rulings individually, card by card. I was the one who got obsessed with this and trying to figure out what was supposed to be going on. And that kind of led me down a path of the, I like making the rulings. I like being the expert. I guess I've always kind of liked being the expert. And then from there in 2001, Steve Port is my tournament organizer in this area. And I suddenly decided to think about becoming a judge and, and talk with him. And she had me work at some Friday Night Magics and Big Pre-Release and the first GP Minneapolis and the rest is history. What was the judge test back like? Uh, what was it like back then? Was it, I mean, surely the judge center didn't exist, did it? No, no. Yeah. Uh, there, <laughs> there were, there were three different paper tests that were updated periodically as rules changes came out. The A1, A2, and A3, and they used them for the level one test and the level two test. And you, if you took the A1 for level one, you had to take the A2 or A3 to become level two. And the only difference between level one and level two was the this, this, the passing score that you have to get. So, wow. yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just curious about that because it's not it's not a lot of judges who have been around that long. Particularly, we just recently hit uh, three thousand judges in the program, and you know. We've just had tons of growth lately, so there's a lot of new judges, but a lot of those it was, just... It was 2000 just uh, a little over a year ago, wasn't it? That uh, Probably, because if you... Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, every month we were getting an email, like, oh, this year we had 120 new judges, you know? And did I say every year, I meant every month. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, we get okay. that email. You can fix that in editing. I'm not going to. I know. I know, too. Ingrid, did you have anything else yeah. you want to talk about? Any other lady topics? <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I just broke Johanna's rule. That's, <laughs> like, yeah, that's super I just creepy. crossed into it. <laughs> I didn't mean to. You gotta make, like, like snapping your fingers and, like, point. See, I, I just imagine Ingrid giving him that, that, Really? Did you just say that, Lauren? I'm giving it a look. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a look. No. That, that, was, that was more, you know, awkward and crazy, necessarily. Um, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot I can really think of, but, you know, maybe just if you have female players in your event, keep a little lie out on them just to, because a lot, a lot of us just kind of try to, to deal with things ourselves and just deal with it. You know, just just listen to what's going on at your events. Listen to the overall language that's going on and how people are acting. And if you need to ask people to tone it down a little, tone it down a little. I mean, that's that's the main thing. And try to try to have events be welcoming, both to female judges and and to female players. You know, there's there's a lot of good players out there, and you know, Magic can use all the players it can, and and, and judges too. Sounds great. Did anyone else want to add anything? Also, well, also I just want you know if you have. On that note of players, female players in your events, uh, if you have ladies that are in your events, uh, don't assume they're stupid. That's something I've seen come up. Uh, there was a, a Grand Prix trial I was at at one point where there was a girl who was playing. For whatever reason, she, you know, she's talking to her opponent and didn't notice that he presented this deck to be cut because they're having a conversation. And the judge who was there, who was not me, thankfully, uh, <laughs> Walks up to and looks at her and starts to explain, you know, in competitive events, your opponents will present their decks so that you can cut them uh, and, and explain this whole process. And she looked up at him and said, I've been top eighting events in this store for two months. Why are you talking to me like I'm stupid? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and as it turns out, this just was actually the store owner who was almost never there. Uh, so he didn't <laughs> know her. He just made himself look really stupid because he assumed this girl in his store didn't know anything because girls don't play magic, right? And, and it was really embarrassing kind of for everybody. Yeah. So don't do that. If you're a judge and you have you have women in your events, uh, they might be really good magic players uh, just the same as any guy might be a really good magic player. I, I actually and this this is this is my own fault, just uh, uh, I'll say a month ago we had an event where uh, there was like 40 players in the store and there were two, uh, two women. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it's a store, it's, it's their first, uh, it's their first competitive event, you know, so it's, it's kind of got that casual feel to it. Uh, you know, making the opening announcements, I'm like, all right, fellas, you know, and then it's like, oh, I mean, you know, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, blah, blah, blah. And then I did, I, again, like, you know, announcing the beginning around just like, all right, guys. We're going to do, and that's like constantly, it's like, oh, nope, nope, got to remember. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think at this point, guys is pretty safely male and female. At least that's how I for, use it. For the for the most part, I think we're fine with guys. If it seems like it's a really natural announcement, if you make an effort for once to say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, kind of more formally at the start, and then you slip into guys, I think for the most part we're going to be cool with that because if we're there as players, we are magic players, and we know the reality. Yeah, I hope so because the reminder email I sent out today starts with "Hey guys," and includes. <laughs> so, if you if you right now went on this big rant about how you hated that, I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> do the rant, do the rant, <laughs> just to make it more awkward for CJ. I'm I'm fine. <laughs>
And Brian, we're fine with you making mistakes like that because you know when you were young, women couldn't even vote yet. So oh <laughs> oh oh, he's he, he likes he likes to ignore that part of his past. Uh. <laughs> Man, no respect at all. <laughs> All right. All right. So do we want to do we do we want to move on to mailbag? Yeah, we do. And Ingrid, since I'm sure you listen to every show like uh, every other great judge out there, you already know this. But we always have the guests say in their big high pitched voice of annoyance, just say mailbag to get us into the segment. Can you do that for us? Okay, saying mail page mailbag in a high pitched annoying voice. Yeah, sure. I, I, yeah, as high pitched annoying as you can get. <laughs> okay, and this is where I tell you I, that this is a troll, and we really don't have anybody do this. Ever. <laughs> oh, I wish that was true. <laughs> I have a good sense of humor. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> wow, that was it's almost as good as one of Ricky or Sean's uh, back in the old days. Yeah, but. <laughs> So we got so many emails this time. I don't know what happened because last time we only had, I think, one email. And this time we got so many. So uh, I, I can tell you what happened. We specifically asked people to send emails. right? That's, and, and then people sent emails. That's how this works. Like we asked for contest entries, but, you know, we, we got just a bunch of rules questions about all kinds cool. of things. Well, then maybe next time we'll ask for something and we'll get something completely different. So I'm going to ask for um, judge stories, and people will send us money. Ooh. I want a pony. Money. Money. Hey, so our first email <laughs> is a rules question. I know that because the subject is rules question, and it's from Chris Klotz from Pennsylvania. He says, hello, judges. I am a new listener. This is my first email to the show. Uh, in one of your recent episodes, you covered changes with how plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters now actually cancel each other. He says now, but that change has been in effect for since Lorwyn. Is that when that happened? It was before I was a judge. Yeah, it was with uh, it was with Shadowmore, I think, was when they uh, – or, or the rules update right before. So uh, essentially his question is he's attacking with an Ikerclaw mirror because that word is pronounced Ikor, even though no one does it correctly. Ikerclawmere is that little 1-1 one, one. when he uh, is blocked, he gets plus 2, plus 2. Blocks or is blocked, he gets plus 2, plus 2, and he has infect. And he's blocked with a uh, strangle root geist that has already undied, so it's a 3-2. It's a 2-1 with a plus 1, plus 1 counter. The basic question here is, with, after the damage is dealt and the uh, geist dies, is it going to come back? So I'll grab this one. Let's see here. 3-2 with 3 minus 1, minus 1 counters. Yeah. That's yeah, so... Basically, it's not going to come back, and the reason it's not going to come back is because removing those counters, they, they, as players might normally say, they cancel each other out. And this is true, but that happens as a state-based action after the damage has been dealt. Uh, and the other thing that's happening as a state-based action after the damage has been dealt is that the creature has zero toughness, so it's going to the graveyard. And these two things happen at exactly the same instant. There's no order, there's no one thing happening and then the other one. They just, at exactly the same moment, they happen. When the creature goes to, uh, goes to the graveyard, the undying ability wants to know, did this have any plus one plus one counters on it at the moment immediately prior to when it went to the graveyard? And the answer to that question is yes. It actually had all of the plus one plus one counters and all of the minus one minus one counters on it. Uh, at the same moment, 
right before it went to the graveyard. Yeah. So, so I guess the the way of the way of looking at it is, one instant it's a uh, strangle roost, uh, uh, a geist with uh, with minus one minus one counters on it and plus one plus one counters on it, and it's alive and on the battlefield. And then the very next instant, it's both dead and has all of its counters. You know, its counters have exploded each other, which isn't really relevant anymore. But right before, I mean, those are the two instances in time. It's alive with both sets of counters on it, and then it's dead without. So when you look back at right before the event, it was, uh, it had the the plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah, yeah. And this question, I think we've answered it basically the same question before, but with Black Sun Zenith and an undying creature. Uh, it's the same basic philosophy. Uh, the important part is that plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters don't cancel immediately. They they do it as part of state-based actions. Next question is from Kevin Henry from his cell phone. He says, he also submitted this as a contest entry, but sorry, Kevin, this one's a little bit too easy to be a judge breaker type question. So we're just going to answer it right now on the show. Uh, basically, the question is, you uh, cast a snap ma- snap caster mage, not snap master mage, uh, and give flashback to a mana leak in your graveyard, then you... Uh, you know, cast the mana leak, countering some spell. After the mana leak resolves, it's exiled. And the question in the end is using runic repetition, which, if I remember the text correctly, is something along the lines of you can bring target card from exile with flashback back to your hand. Uh, the question is, can you use that on the mana leak to bring it back to you? Ingrid, you can take this one. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Once that mana leak has changed tones, so it's now exiled, it's... It's its own thing, and uh, the Runic Repetition is looking for a card of exile, and that ability that Snapcaster has given to it is no longer affecting it. It's just a plain old Mana Leak, and Mana Leak does not have flashback on it anywhere, and it's not a legal target for the Runic Repetition. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. So if that's how that works, if if an object is doesn't have doesn't remember what it was before when it changes zones... Then how come when I cast something with flashback using Snapcaster's ability, it gets exiled from the stack? Shouldn't it not remember that it has flashback anymore? Great question, Just Dunks. <laughs> well, that replacement is affecting it. It has to know where it's going before it leaves the stack. And while it's on the stack, that's that's where it is because it's got the flashback, and that's where it knows that it's got it. So it's saying, you know, okay, I'm going to go wherever I'm supposed to go when I resolve, but wherever it is that you're trying to send me, I'm getting exiled, and off it goes to the exile zone. I have a very organic way of explaining things. (laughs) That's fine. Yep. Basically, there's a line in the rules that says, you know, part of what flashback means is if the flashback cost was paid, exile this card instead of putting it anywhere else, anytime it would leave the stack. And uh, so that's just just part of flashback, part of casting a, a card with flashback using the flashback cost. Is that the answer you were looking for, Jess? No, he is looking for. And I remember this because I just went over this in uh, judge class the other night. He's looking for that silly rule that says it continues to have flashback it, once it, it's on the stack. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's an exception. Okay, if uh, if an effect grants a non-land card an ability that allows it to be cast, that ability will continue to apply to the new object that card becomes after it is moved to the stack as a result of it being cast this way. So it's one of the it's one of the exceptions to changing zones makes it a new object and it forgets all that that uh, uh, fun stuff. 
Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I was looking for because it still has flashback when it goes. And, and this is, this goes right along with that root of repetition question is when you, when you tell people, Oh, well, it changes zone. So it doesn't have flashback anymore. They go, well, how come I had flashback on the stack? It didn't just go back to my graveyard. And the answer is because there's a rule that says that if you cast it with flashback, it still has flashback when it's on the stack. Yeah. So yeah, there's there there are some exceptions to the to the zone change rule. So you know, go read them, learn them, live them, love them. You probably you you actually use several of them, few of them frequently, and you don't even realize it. That would be dealing with uh, all the enchantments that uh, you know trigger when they uh, when the enchanted permanent uh, leaves the battlefield. You know, because that graveyard that uh, that guy is gone. So, so, so. Next question. What is the next question? I'll I'll read it to you if you want. Okay. All right. Sure. It's from Sean Thielman. He doesn't say where he's from. Uh, and we'll just assume he's from his phone too. He probably is. <laughs> Holy! This one's long. I probably should have read this before the show began. I'm I'm only going to read the first part of it. The rest is is his opinion on it, which, as the uh, self declared experts. We don't care about his opinion. Wow, <laughs> hard. You know what? That that was like the same the same answer I had a philosophy professor in uh, in in college. I tried to give my opinion on something, and he just looked at me and he was just like, "Have you been published?" And I was like, "Uh, no." He's yeah, like, opinion on forums constantly." He's like, "Have you been published?" Well, this was before you know computers, oh, right? It was. You know, have you been published? And he, I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, then your opinion doesn't matter. And I was like, wow. All right. Academia is hard. <laughs> so this one's more like a discussion topic. I've been real interested to bring it up. He says, <clears throat> at a recent vintage event, a player drew his opening seven, revealed his hand containing a serum powder, and then made a joke about empty the wards. Uh, he says, I believe it, I believe about it being quite good in the match. Let me read serum powder real quick. Because this one's a weirder one. So serum powder, it'll tap to add one mana to your manifold. But it says, uh, anytime you can mulligan and serum powder is in your hand, you may exile all the cards from your hand, then draw that many cards. So you do that, it kind of replaces a mulligan. So, oh, he made a joke about empty the warrants being in his hand, and then indicated he was going to use the powder's ability and proceeds to shuffle his hand back into his library. Now, if you guys pay attention, I mentioned that serum powder actually has you exile all the cards. Mm -hmm. His opponent pointed out that it... That's not how serum powder works, and a judge is called. Turns out the player misunderstood how serum powder worked. The judge made the player mulligan to six, and he told him to be more careful. Um, the player was unhappy with the ruling, but wasn't sure what the best solution was. And it says the event was a regular REL. So this feels like something to me that doesn't have like a cut and dry, this is the answer. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly you would want to fix this. My my personal opinion on it, although I didn't notice this was regular REL, but I think it's pretty much the same either way. My personal opinion on it was, you know, once you shoved your hand into your library, even though you may have said otherwise, kind of feels like you just chose the mulligan there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm on board with that. That's pretty much what it sounds like to me. It was yeah. Go, you just mulliganed. Yeah. Draw, right. draw your six cards. Yeah, that, that's what it looks a lot like. And it's no pretty way around it, but that's it's not exactly doing what the serum powder does, and it sure looks like a mulligan. Right. Well, all right. Like the first, honestly, the first question I'm going to ask at this point is, do you know what serum powder does? Wow, I thought we'd have more discussion over this one. So does 
does the REL matter at all? Like, I mean, to me, it seems like it's a mulligan either way. Because uh, well, are you going to give a warning at competitive REL for anything? No, because mulliganing is not illegal, and revealing your hand is also not illegal. I agree with this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, there's not much discussion here. I don't, I don't even think that's really an awkward fix. Like, it's awkward for the player because he didn't know how his own card worked. Mm-hmm. But like, there's not much we can do about that. Yeah, yeah. It seems pretty clear that he. He. I mean, even though he mentioned the serum powder and revealed his hand, it just still feels like. Well, well, you shuffled it all back in. It's not like we can fix the hand, you know. It's not like we can be like, well, right. let's tell me what was in there, and we'll exile those cards. It just, it just doesn't work. So, all right, well, that was a bust. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Sean. So it sounds like the judge uh, who ruled there handled it the same way we would have. Oh, so this next one is speaking of us being the authorities on something. We actually have to talk about a correction. Last show, we talked about if a, you know, you're a judge, you're just walking by a table and you find a card on the floor and, and two players are playing in a match. Uh, at that time, we said, let's just give them the card back. Let it lie there. We're not going to give any infraction. Just keep the card in exile. Well, since then, we've talked to level five extraordinaire Toby Elliott about this exact same situation. And it turns out the way we said to handle it might have been wrong could possibly definitely it have been incorrect. Could be wrong. So, Brian, how did Toby yeah. correct us? So, basically, he said, if you find a card on the floor, okay, unless, and I'm going to paraphrase, but unless you can you can confirm with both players that the card did come from a public zone, okay, you know, graveyard, exile, battlefield, one of those, you know, not not the hand, not the library. If you can confirm with both players that the card is supposed to be in one of those zones, or if you can't, then it's going to be a deck deckless problem. Yep. Okay. Deck deckless problems are not just something that occurs. You know, I presented a fifty-nine card deck. I have a deck deckless problem. It's like later on in the game, you've got. 59 cards and you can't account for that 60th card somewhere in the middle of your game. You know, that is also a deck deckless problem. So, so sad for us. We were yes. So, so wait a minute though. We, 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 between all of us, we've got like the three of us have six levels of judge altogether, right? So, well, and Ingrid. Don't, 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 well, I mean, but Ingrid wasn't here when we, when we made this call. There at that one. So, so, but we got the six levels of judge. You know, we outranked Toby, right? Isn't that how that works? I think that's exactly how that works. Here, here's here's one of the things, and I think it's actually kind of interesting that, that Ingrid's on here uh, for this, is because I had this exact call, okay, and and we ended up giving a game loss at my very, very first event that I ever worked for, which Ingrid – do you remember this, Ingrid? It was at my very first event. It was a Star City event two years yeah. ago. and. Yeah. I found cards on the floor, and it was like this this old guy who was like real super cool. And I was just like, you know, they were fetch lands, and I was like, were these cards in your library? And he's like, nope. Is were they on the battlefield? And he's like, nope. I guess I presented. I uh, must have dropped them before I presented. And you know, I was going up to Ingrid, and I was like, what do I what do? I, do? What do I do? I don't. I don't know, because the the L two who was uh, who was uh, supposed to be like following me around, and I'm supposed to be shadowing, took like a round long smoke break. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just out 400 <laughs> players level zero, wandering the floor by myself, and 
I just, I didn't have a clue. So I just come and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And it's like, well, I guess you're getting the game lost. I'm like, okay, thank you. Oh, come with me. Come with me. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I have to say one of the things that's nice nowadays is all the variety of sleeves out there, which makes it a lot easier to kind of tell at a glance whether this card might have come from one of those decks. Back in the day when, like, nearly everyone was playing with black sleeves or something, a lot tougher. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and that, that email came from Neil Meyer, from uh, the one that made us discuss the uh, that ruling again. He's from Calgary, Canada, and when he emailed us, he CC'd Judge Cast North for some reason. So the only time ever I've had to reply and been like, we're wrong, I had to include Judge Cast North, so I'm sure they, they love that. Aww. I'm sure they did. Daggers. Well, that's okay. They probably didn't know that we were wrong. Probably don't know how to work Aww. email. <laughs> nope, not up there in Canada. Mooses don't yeah. have internet plugs <laughs> in them. Alright, our next question. You realize you're making that joke about a a, a podcast, right? <laughs> Quite <Yes. new. laughs> Our next question comes from Tim Sargent from Benicia, California. Jess, do you know this Benicia. guy? Benicia. Benicia. I don't know this guy, but I've been to Benicia. So I actually live not too far from there. Cool. So I, I don't think I've met uh, this particular individual, although if I have, I'm really sorry I don't recognize your name. I know. <laughs> There's so many players that know my name that I don't know their name, and I feel bad, exactly. but what are you going to do? <laughs> I have a name tag on. They don't. Uh, he says he has a couple questions about Caverns of Souls, which apparently everyone does right now. Uh, he says since it is supposed to take over every format. So, Jess, you can field this first one. Uh, he says my opponent has a Cavern of Souls in play. I should I should say what Cavern of Souls is just for those five people out there who didn't freak out about it when it was announced. It taps to add a mana to your mana pool. No one cares. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. And then you can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. And that spell can't be countered. So he has the Cavern of Souls, Souls out naming giants. He casts a Sun Titan using the Cavern of Souls second ability, and while the Titan is on the stack, destroys the Cavern of Souls using a Ghost Quarter. In this case, is the Sun Titan still uncounterable? Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't think of a reason it would it wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if the the Cavern, the Cavern of Souls uh, is not in play anymore, the mana that it produced still has that quality that it makes the spell uncounterable if it met the other requirement, which is that it had to be uh, a creature of that type. And what's, what else is interesting about that is it doesn't actually have to be colored mana that meets that, that is that creature's color. If he had two planes and tapped his cavern for red, he could still use it Sun Titan, yeah. and it would be uncountable. That's true. His second question is kind of basically the same question. He basically asks very similarly, only this time he has Zozu the Punisher in play, which the only relevant thing about Zozu is he triggers when a land enters the battlefield. The, the real... The real difference in in this other question is is in one case he's already used the mana and then the the cavern of souls got destroyed mm-hmm. in the other case he creates the mana then the cavern of souls gets destroyed then the mana gets used yes okay and it's the same it's the same answer if you it's it's a it's a property of the mana once, uh, once it's been, uh, once the ability's been activated, that mana's sitting out there and it's got that property and it's gonna apply when you use it, uh, yes. regardless of whether or not the Cavernous Holes is still in play. Or on the battlefield, sorry. Yep. Yeah, basically, I mean, if you use that mana, that mana just has like a special little flag on it. I don't know the word for it, but a special little property. And when you use that mana, it doesn't matter if the cavern's there or not. You know, once that mana is generated, it has that property 
And when you use it, it makes the creature uncountable. And it also has that restriction that it can only be used on creature spells of the name type. All right, so let's go on to the next question from Alex. Actually, do we want do we want to talk about Toby's email? Hatchet. Uh, what email? Toby's email on Judge's list about cavernous souls. Oh, I haven't read it yet, but yeah, we probably should. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> it's it basically boils down to so the so the question is if someone just taps cavern of souls and doesn't say you know because it's got two abilities one produces colorless mana that's just colorless and one of them produces colored mana with this with this special uh property of making the the creature spell uncounterable so if someone just taps it taps the cavern of soul and doesn't say anything then you know, and uses it to cast a creature of the specific type. You know, they name giant, and they they you know tap a bunch of lands, including the Cavern of Souls, and lay out a, a primeval titan. Well, is it counterable or not? You know, the pl- uh, the player didn't say anything. So the discussion that the let me let me find the the text here is basically if you're going to use the Cavern of Souls ability to produce special mana. You have to acknowledge it in some form or fashion, okay? Because most of the time people just, you know, tapping lands is kind of something that you just do. And it really, it really kind of what lands you tap really only matters when it matters is probably the best way of, uh, the best way of saying it. It's, it's, it's only relevant when it's relevant as to whether or not you're tapping this particular land for a blue or a white. You know, sometimes you're just using it to pay the colorless. So it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of the way people play. So if you're going to use the Cavern of Souls ability that is specific, then you need to acknowledge it in some form or fashion, okay? Even if it's just like Cavern for this, you know, Cavern for green, or just Cavern, you know, Mm -hmm. I tap this forest, this forest, Cavern, and then these other lands, whatever, you don't specifically announce. Then that's sufficient. Or if it is unambiguous, like if you've got Cavern of Souls out naming Elf, Okay, and you tap it, and you lay a land of war elf down. You know that's your only land, and you you know tap it and land of war elf. Then it's it's pretty obvious what you meant by yeah. that, and you don't need to do it. But if you're just like I tap, here's my primeval titan. I tap two forests, and then you know these other lands, and one of them just happens to include a cavern of souls, and you don't say anything, you don't acknowledge it in any form or fashion. Then you used it for colorless. Oh, that sounds good to me. And I, and I think a reason that they even had to say anything was uh, that kind of situation wasn't really covered in policy yet, was it? Like we, no. had, yeah, we didn't really have anything in, in place yet. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's a good a good aside. So yeah. So and and he, I mean he he wrote and I I recommend that everybody goes out and reads the the email because he actually wrote like a page long email about the philosophy and the logic behind this. Yeah. But here basically is uh, the the two main points of philosophy is if a player wants to do something out of the ordinary, it's generally expected that they'll indicate this. This, for example, is why we have the auto priority pass shortcut. You almost always want to pass priority after taking an action. So the assumption is that you should speak up if you uh, in an unusual situation. And then players should not be encouraged to create ambiguity in the game state and should not be rewarded for creating ambiguity. So those two points together, you know, kind of combine, you know, by our powers combined, form Cavern of Souls ruling. (laughs) I should have laughed at that. No, you shouldn't. No. All right. 
Well, let's move on to our next rules question, which, you know what, honestly, if he had submitted this as our contest entry, it may have been a pretty good one. Because the subject is, how does Soul Bond interact with phasing? And, uh, oh, phasing. Phasing was around when I started playing like that. I started playing around Mirage, so it's very exciting. Uh, basically, this is from Alex Valhatchet, and he says, I've been wondering, how does Soul Bond interact with phasing? For example, I control Silverblade Paladin, which is the one that gives double strike, I believe, uh, to the guy he's paired with, to the gender neutral individual he's paired with. And he casts Talarian Drake and chooses to pair them both. So they uh, both have double strike. Then at the beginning of his next step, next on tap step, step, God, reading is hard. You guys notice this? Uh, Talarian Drake has phasing, by the way. Talarian Drake phases out. So his questions are basically, are they still paired? Uh, does the Silverblade Paladin in this situation have double strike? And if he casts another creature, can he pair it with Silverblade Paladin? Do you guys know the answer to this one off the top of your head? Like, this is one, I, I know yeah. it because it came up in the rules chat, but. So, so how does, how does, how does Soul Bond work with, with phasing creatures? The answer is not well. Yes. Um, so basically when you phase, when you phase it out, the creature out, it kind of, uh, the whole from till death do us part thing with soul bond, you know, it's gone. Your spouse just up and disappeared. Yep. Okay. And you're like, you I'm, I'm going to find someone new then. I, I, yeah. No time I mean, to mourn. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. It's just, I've been abandoned and I'm going to start looking. feels like my spouse is doing this every other week now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Take, takes all the all the auras and the equipments with it and just goes. So so when the creature when the creature phases out, it doesn't leave the battlefield. And when it phases back in, it doesn't enter the battlefield. So you can't be like, "Oh, well it phased when it phases out, the soul bond gets broken, but when it phases back in, well, yay, soul bond triggers and I get to relink." No. 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 Nope. It doesn't yep. work. That way. Basically Phases out, the pair is broken, and phasing in isn't going to make the pair happen again. So, but if a new creature comes into play, then Solbond will 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 trigger. It's just phasing doesn't actually. You're not entering the battlefield or leaving the battlefield with phasing. You're just so. So to be more specific, then while it is phased out, you don't control it. It didn't change control, but you. It, it's not under your control. Yeah, it's treated as if you don't control it. So you know, if something said do damage equal to the number of creatures you control the number and you only have the paladin and the phased out drake you're going to do one damage you know for I've, all intents and purposes it's one yeah it's, when describe when describing phasing to 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 new people who want uh, to new judges who want to learn it i've always just said you put a take your cup turn it upside down make sure it's empty but like take your coffee cup and just put it over the cart put it on top of the cart where's the card i don't know i just see a coffee cup yeah you know, you just cover it up. You're playing the shell game. Game can't see it. You can't either. You know, don't factor that card into any of your anything. It's just gone. Uh, Alex also asked if there is any way we can think of to pair three creatures, but this is completely and totally impossible for a couple reasons. Uh, one, the soul bond trigger, the enter the battlefield trigger, is an intervening if, and part of it mentions um, you have to control a creature and then another unpaired creature. So already that won't happen. And then just in case that wasn't enough, there's rule 702.93D. It says a creature can be paired with only one other creature just to hammer it home that it is impossible. This is not Utah. I can, I can <laughs> pair three creatures. I just can't pair them with each other. Yes, exactly. 
That'll work. It's not Utah. Man, oh, this is unrelated, but uh, I, this was on limited resources, and I was like, no, that can't be right. Where, let's say you have two guys paired together. One has Soul Bond, the other one doesn't. And you, um, let's say you also have a Grizzly Bears, and you cast Infinite Reflections on the Grizzly Bears. So all your guys now are Grizzly Bears. Are those two paired creatures still paired? They are, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Nothing, nothing unpairs them. I thought something surely would. But so you have two creatures there that are paired that don't have soul bond, uh, and that their pairing doesn't really do anything. Yeah, it matters than... for that one pump spell. No, actually, it matters for another thing. Uh, it matters if you play another creature with soul bond after like oh. the reflection goes away. Oh yeah, good point. Oh, because they're already paired. Yeah. yeah. So those two. Yeah, that's a real awkward situation. But anyway, nobody. Well, you know, I mean, even though even though you're married, you know, people people change, <laughs> and you still. <laughs> So they're still you legally married. You are really married. trying to make this marriage analogy mean <laughs> I, I think, so bad, aren't you? I think, I think that that analogy basically, like every question you could possibly have about soul bond, is just you know is just answered by it's just like marriage. Except you, we're really stretching it lately, though. I think that's part of the charm. Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, just like any relationship. So yeah. <laughs> the next question comes from Matt Arnold, and he just says. At the pre-release, I picked up two or three Infinite Reflections, the card I was just talking about, and I'm wondering how best to make insanity happen. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> These kinds of questions are always the best. Uh, what would happen if I used Gideon Jura's last ability, and then um, that's the one that makes him a, a human, a 6-6 human, and then attached an Infinite Reflection? Would each creature become a Jura Planeswalker, and then and thus wipe the board? Or does the copy effect only copy the creature? So would everything be like a 6-6 human soldier Gideon Jura, or are they going to be a regular planeswalker? I mean, how's, how's it going to work? Okay. So, uh, so I kind of mentioned to him, I was like, well, infinite reflections, uh, can enchant an animated Gideon. Great. Yep. And it will turn every, uh, non-token you control into an unanimated Gideon. Yes. Meaning I got lots and lots of planeswalkers, all with the same uh, Planeswalker type of Gijin. The Planeswalker rule, the state-based action, is going to come into play and kind of wipe my wipe all my critters off the board. Oh, yeah. yeah then I'm just going to pick them up and put them in the graveyard. Not a destroy effect, can't regenerate. You just wiped your own board. Yeah. But, Brian... The one thing, the one oh, thing to note about that is that uh, <clears throat> those are not creatures. The The... The Gideons that all of your creatures become are just Planeswalkers. They're not 6-6. Right. Six, six. They just have, like, the effect that's turning Gideon into a creature isn't transferred along with the copy right. ability. They just become Gideon. So it's... even if for some reason you had all these Gideons that didn't die, like, say they invent a card of the future that says you can have mul- multiple Planeswalkers with the same name, these Gideons would still die because they're Planeswalkers with no loyalty count. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't, so, even, I hadn't even looked at the, the Planeswalker no loyalty counter option. I just saw a bunch of... So, like, let's say, for example, you only have one creature, and you animate a Gideon, and you cast Infinite Reflection on Gideon, and then in response to the Infinite Reflection trigger, you do something to kill your Gideon. The creature you control will become a copy of Gideon, and he won't die because there's multiple Gideons. He'll die because he doesn't have any loyalty counter. That's, that's a great point. I ain't thought about that. Yeah, it was just uh, like... Well, I mean, come on, man. It's they were dead. Uh, they were dead regardless. It's, it's just lots of different, <laughs> lots of lots of different ways. Well, you know, but uh, it's the whole, what? I, go ahead. The whole the whole unanimated thing is 
is kind of and we should probably do a, a future episode on on the, the layers yes but it's if anybody that was playing like three four years ago remembers the whole mirror weave and animated attacking mutavolt uh, trick sure yeah. okay Okay, so I actually the, did that in extended season this last year when my opponent uh, I was playing fairies with mirror weave in it. Don't ask why. And uh, I had an opponent go off with deceiver Ixark and make like a million dudes and then attack. And I did what you're about to describe, and it so, was awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> so copy effects, you know, ninety I'll say ninety nine percent of the time, copy effects make the the card that's that's doing the copying or or the the card that's being copied. I'm, I'm setting this up. I'm phrasing this wrong. It becomes the thing that is becoming the copy becomes basically what is printed on the card that is being copied. So an animated Gideon, there is an effect that is animating it, but the card itself is still a planeswalker. So when you copy the Gideon, you are getting the Basically, the end result is what is printed on the card. You don't also copy the effect that is making it a creature. So that's why you get an unanimated planeswalker as opposed to a 6-6 human soldier named Gijin. 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 Gijin Jura. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Come on. Sure. Let's plow through these. Are you deleting these as we go or moving these? Why is my list getting shorter? I'm archiving them as we go. He does that. Fancy. Like a boss. I'm just like looking, I'm like, where's my stuff? It's going. Yeah, this is our last question. I'm new to this technology. Alright, let's let's have the last question. (laughs) I'm excited for the last question. Shut down, Brian Brilliman. (laughs) Alright, this this email comes from Ryan Cummins. (laughs) I enjoy that. Uh, he asked a couple questions, but the first question was about that Finkel Hain ruling. We don't need to talk about that again. Okay. But the second question is, uh, he says that he had a question regarding his pre-release, specifically as a player, how to interact with a judge who's about to become that other judge, as as we described him uh, <laughs> during our old contest. He says, my match was over, and I was sitting at a table watching several matches when one guy tries to cast Peel from Reality. That's a guard, uh, I believe it's return target creature you control and target creature you don't control to their owner's hands. Yep, that is correct. Beautiful. I don't have to read it. He said he watches one guy cast uh, Peel from Reality with no creatures on the board against his opponent. And they talked about that. Maybe you can't do that. And uh, at the point, the guy, uh, Ryan here, walked over. After disagreeing, they looked at me and asked what I thought. I said that the Peel from Reality could not be cast in this situation because there is no legal target for target creature you control, but that they should they should call a judge, which they did. Long story short, the judge said that, no, it's fine to cast it, which is incorrect. I mean, you need both legal targets to cast this spell. Ryan would like to know, how do you handle that kind of situation where you know the judge is wrong? What do you do? How do you help fix this? I can feel this one if you guys would like. Yes. Yeah, please. Yeah, so there's there's a couple things here. Probably, you know, as as somebody who is, you know, is hearing this, probably your best bet is to take the judge aside and say, hey, can I just talk to you for a second? I'm pretty sure about this. And especially if, if you've got... Now, now in the days, the smartphones, you can bring up comp rules or or something to su- support this. And and a lot of times, a judge is going to be at least you know, somewhat receptive of this and and is willing to double check to, to make sure. And if if they do and they realize that they're incorrect, they can go back and fix the ruling. However, sometimes 
you do run into a guy who's working on becoming that other judge. You know, we all know that guy. Or we don't know that guy, but we sure hear about him. Yeah, we hear about him. Um, yeah, and, and, and he sticks to his guns. In that case, you know, especially if he's the head judge of an, of an event, the rulings that, that he makes, he's, he's the one, if the head judge has got the authority to make the rulings for an event. And sometimes it does happen that the head judge gets it wrong. And in that case, rather than, you know, prolonging this and causing a large disruption at the event, if, if that's the way it runs at the event, then that's the way it runs at the event. And then you might try talking to him again later afterwards or, you know, suggest, you know, putting it, putting him in touch with some, some other judges that, you know, or other resources that, you know, or suggest that. And he asked it on the rules list or something like that as a way so that he can get that information and perhaps learn from it. Now, one one thing that that Ingrid said that I want to I want to point out that she said take you know ask to speak to the judge off to the side or take him you know take him away. And this is especially especially when you have like maybe maybe not a certified judge maybe the 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 store owner is the guy who's giving the rulings, he's the head judge for this event. Okay, human nature, people don't like to be wrong in front of other people. Absolutely. Okay, and especially when you're dealing with maybe maybe a store owner who's or, or someone who's, I'm always right, you know, who are you to question me? I mean, if you if you if you take them aside and have a civil conversation, then you can diffuse that. I mean, if that's your goal as as a person who's just trying to make sure that the right ruling gets happened, the the right ruling gets made, you know, just take take him aside because what you're doing is you're giving him the ability to save face, okay? And that's obvi- obviously we we don't have a problem with being corrected in public because we're on a podcast and we actually read our, you know, make corrections and make a fix our mistakes uh, uh, here. But it, it definitely goes a long way to uh, having having a cordial conversation if you take him off to the side. If you're just like, no, you're wrong. It's this, 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 this in front of a bunch of players, then you're going to make the guy defensive and things might not end well. Yes. And it sounds like that's how, uh, oh crap, I forgot his name. Ryan? Is it Ryan? Uh, his name is Spunk Tricks. Spunk Tricks. No, that's a contest no. entry. Yes. Oh, that's a contest yes, entry. Yes, yes it's Ryan. <laughs> uh, my archiving plan has failed See, me because I archived I'm, it. You archived it. <laughs> See, look at that. I was wrong. Oh. CJ, how dare you correct me in front of everybody? So angry. Spunk Tricks. Well, he can just edit out, edit it out of the podcast. No one will notice. I rage quit. Well, no, that he's going to leave in because yeah. he, he secretly hates me. Secretly? I think Secret- I made it clear. <laughs> okay, right. Understood. Copy. Hey, speaking of hate, our contest <laughs> for the uh, best judge uh, – one guy called it a stomp a judge scenario, which I kind of like. But our best <laughs> Stomp a judge. Stomp a judge, but our best judge breaker type question is still – I like that name. I think we should call it the Stomp a Judge Contest. Right. Stomp a Judge Contest. The We're going to announce an official end date, which is Monday, May 28th. So if you have a question, if you have one of these questions that you think can uh, just make a judge cry, please send it to us if you want to win a sh- shiny Judge Foil Vendillion click. Ooh. Ooh. 
we send it our, our way. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, we have some contest entries, and they're pretty good, but I think there's better answers out there. No one's even mentioned humility yet, I don't think. So, so I, I did want to say something about the contest. I don't remember if we said anything about this last time when we were talking about the rules. Uh-huh. Just to be clear, and this hasn't come up yet, thankfully, but just to be clear, unsets are not allowed. Yes. They, they, there must be real magic cards that are legal in, you know, an actual format, uh, as opposed to, like, don't, don't ask me questions about Stone Cold Basilisk, <laughs> you know, whether or not, and how long your opponents stay paralyzed. I, they, I, what, when Jess started talking, I already removed my blue jeans. <laughs> 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 to prevent, to prevent denim walk. Instant speed, baby. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, this is a great thing yeah, about removing 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 pants is actually faster than denim walk. That's just how that works. That is the great thing about unglued cards is I can just make up a ruling and it's correct. So you're not really gonna stomp us with those kinds of questions. Uh, but if you if you want to enter, just send or you want to ask us any questions, rules questions. You want us you want to tell us how much you like us, just anything at all. You can just send us an email at judgecast at gmail dot com. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast and you can like us on facebook our page name is the judgecast you can also email judgecast north telling them how much you like us yeah that'd be fantastic <laughs> that is, you can that send us awesome. rules questions and then cc them for some, some reason instead of just sending them a rules question i don't know how it works it's all mystery to me i think canadians just all know each other already because there's like what 30 of them i guess i don't know yeah they've got like they've got all the all the people they know, and then there's like a pack of wolves or something, and they're all friends. <laughs> they're all huddled. They're all huddled together in their in their one igloo, right? Dance <laughs> with other wolves. Dance with. Them. <laughs> there we go. Dance with all my wolves and all the wolves. <sighs> and that wolf and which wolf? Yeah, unfortunately, um, the Canadians would not be able to band with the wolves since they're not wolves. Banding. Hey, Ingrid. Let's not even talk about banding. Pairing is way better than banding, right? Ingrid, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It's been a lot of fun. This is got thank you for joining us on this train wreck of an episode. <laughs> no, it was good for like, you know, an hour when Ingrid was talking and then And then the monkeys got the paintbrush yeah. and it just became a uh, and, and then hilarity ensued. Well, if that's what you want to call it, thank you for being generous. Yeah. That's really generous. <laughs> Yes, thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about stuff that, that I think people are actually interested in. You know, uh, not yeah. it's like Denim Walk, which people aren't really all that interested in. <laughs> well, do right. we have anything else to talk about today? No, please. All right, well, yeah, for JudgeCast, this is Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. And I'm CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I keep it barely under two hours. <laughs> Away! <laughs> Thundercats Ho or something, I don't know. Thundercats Ho. Doing right now, why are we wasting time?